Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in. Hey, welcome back to Deep Podcast, everybody. We're at week two of a series called It Doesn't Make Sense. And uh, Pastor Britt is here. Pastor Joby is here. Welcome, gentlemen. Let's try to make sense of things that don't make sense, should we? Let's do it. <laughs> um, well, this series is a lot about what happens between the ears. And so let's start there. What What's so important um, about what we think? When I was thinking about this, the King James translation of Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. Why does that matter so much? Well, it must be true. It's the Word of God, right? Mm-hmm. And in... In ancient thought, the heart was what we would like think about as the brain now. That's where the ideas and thoughts came from, mm-hmm. and it, it just all it all starts there, right? Because your your thoughts and emotions about you drive. I think one of the things that's so important it drives your inner dialogue. It it drives actually the words that come out of your mouth. You've heard me say before: be careful about the words that come out of your mouth because your ears might hear them, your brain might believe it, and your heart might feel it. Mm -hmm. And if those are lies about you, then you will begin to believe that you are things that you are actually not. Mm -hmm. And it all starts there. The New Testament is going to say that we should take captive Mm. every thought for Mm. Christ. Mm. I think for the same reason, because the thoughts that we have about us, not only will they define us, even if it's a lie, it will also direct us. Mm. So we'll believe lies about us, and then we'll head in directions we should not go because of the thoughts that we have. Yeah, I mean, we, we build habits over time, and I guess in one sense, we can do things without thinking, but we've never done anything without thinking about it, at least for the first time. right? You, anything you've done, it started with a thought. So you can do a lot of good things, you can do a lot of bad things, but they start with a thought in your brain. For sure. Uh, so we started this series talking about Jesus and his battle with the devil. And Pastor Joby, you know, you're teaching on, uh, you know, the the bait of the enemy, the lures of the enemy, and how we how we combat those. Uh, what do you think in this time, 2023, makes makes that more challenging? You know, wh- why is it more challenging to take our thoughts captive today than maybe it was? 10 years ago, 20 years ago. If you, if you think back, so this this series idea was Pastor Britt's mm. idea, which is a great idea. We You wouldn't know this, but we, you would know this, we get together as a creative team, and mm-hmm. uh, most of the time I'm marching out like, hey, here's where we're going, and then there's a couple spaces in there where it's mm-hmm. like, what do you guys think we should do? And, and Pastor Britt was like, we should talk about mental health and what the Bible has to say about it. Right. I think... Part of the reason is so pervasive these days, mental health issues, et cetera. Man, think back to like screw tape letters. And one of the chief aims of Wormwood is if we can, if if the enemy, talking about church folk, if the enemy don't even know they're in the battle, we've won. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of evangelical churches talking about mental health and what the scripture says about it at all. Mm-hmm. And as a person with multiple degrees in this stuff, mm-hmm. not mental health, but in Bible and, you know, lead other church leaders and all that. I I don't think I've ever been trained to even be aware that that's a thing that we need to talk about. Right. So, which means this has been like this desert that the church has kind of ignored mm-hmm. has been fertile ground for the enemy to take ground for a whole bunch of years. Mm-hmm. And it, a lot of it goes back to the Shema, right? If we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the church has not really talked about mental health and what it looks like to be mentally healthy so that you can love God with all mm-hmm. your mental capacities, then the enemy's taking some serious ground there. And I think one of the biggest mistakes is the church has been like, well, just pray it away or just spiritualize everything. Mm-hmm. The church came to understand that you can't just pray away every physical ailment, and and we're kind of catching up in the past few decades about about the crisis that is mental health and the the expertise needed when it comes to address it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think that's a part of the reason that is, issues are so pervasive. Yeah, I think I think when you talk about mental and emotional and spiritual health, it's all one conversation. Right. 
like Pastor Joby said in regards to the Shema, it's all one thing. And the danger is to talk, when we talk about mental health as Christians, is to define mental health in the same way that the world defines mental health. And there's a, there's a narrative in culture, in popular culture, around mental health, and and it's got a stigma on it, and there's it's a it's a in a lot of ways an oppressed and oppressor type environment. That's not the way the Bible handles it. The Bible handles it in regards to growth. The Bible handles it in terms of maturity and wisdom and health. Yep. And the work that Jesus is doing mm-hmm. through via the power of the Holy Spirit and transforming us into His likeness, and we're all at different points on this journey of growth and maturity, and we all come at it with different histories and um, with different foundations of knowledge and different traumas and different. Does that you know what I mean? Yeah. We just have been on a different journey, and um, but it's the same gospel and it's the same image of God that we're all created in, mm-hmm. and so there are. So the Bible is as as descriptive in a lot of ways and more not more than but as well as being prescriptive in just what it means to be healthy and growing in our relationship with Jesus and so and there's like in in mental health you've got a category of as in any any version of health whether it's physical health or emotional health and so in mental and emotional health Together, you've got a category of people, and we'll have talked about this and continue to talk about it, of people who are unwell. They're just unwell, and and they need a a serious intervention in order for them to get healthy and whole. Medical intervention, prayerful intervention, divine intervention, whether that comes via the means of medicine, professionals, counselors, psychiatrists, for sure. There's a category of people who, a percentage of people who, by God's grace, for whatever reason, they just are healthy. Like they're just healthy and whole and they walk in wellness, like a true abundance in almost every category of life. In between those two things, there is a large gamut of people who are on a pendulum or on or, or sliding in one direction or the other. They're sliding toward isolation, toward uh, aloneness, toward uh, mental and emotional unhealth and unwell, or they're sliding, growing toward health and well. This series for me is uh, we want to obviously be caring and be aware of the whole spectrum of mental and emotional health, but it's very much pointed at the people who are um, growing and maturing and at the same pe- and some who are would may, maybe struggling toward mm-hmm. a life of unwell mm-hmm. in regards to mental and mo- emotional health we want to hopefully God will God will use this to help put some tools in people's hands to get them growing toward well does that make sense mm-hmm. and and um everybody's journey is different so that's the the the, the hope and is see that- this helps free up some Christians here here's some conversations I've had with people and we covered it a bit in week 1 but <clears throat> Okay, Jesus had the perfect mind, the perfect mind, right? He was without sin, and yet Hebrews said he was tempted in every single way that you and I are. Right. Mm. So it is right to say Jesus had mental health issue, the issue being that the enemy was lying to him. Mm -hmm. You don't think that's an issue? Right. Mm -hmm. He had an issue when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane with the option to obey or disobey the Father's will for his life, Mm -hmm. And he feels, he says, his words, I feel like I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. He's sweating like drops of blood. And so if the perfect second person of the Trinity, God the Son, made flesh with the perfect mind and a perfect relationship with his heavenly Father, mm-hmm. if he was given to the attacks between the ears of the enemy speaking lies to him, then who in the world do we think we are that we're going to be immune? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he even was like, listen, I, one guy got mad at me one time because I said, if Jesus needed friends, then who do you think you are that don't think you need them? Well, he says, I asked you to pray. Could you not stay up and pray for me? Mm-hmm. So he had to, whether he needed it or he was just whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. But he had decided to do the Garden of Gethsemane in such a way where he mm-hmm. asked some other people to come alongside of him mm-hmm. in this journey. Yeah. So who are we to think, I don't need you? The Son of God asked people to come and pray with him, had to ask other people to come and be with him. Mm-hmm. Who in the world are we to think that I got this? Yeah. I can just, I can like hunker down and get through this. Mm-hmm. 
your question around what's what are some of the causes uh without without doubt if you if you trace uh mental emotional health relational health community health from the invention of the automobile to the invention of the iPhone it has been on a what was an incremental down downhill slide to a rapid drop mm-hmm. with the in, in introduction of technology at your fingertips. Mm-hmm. And there's something deeply spiritual about that. If you think about the world pre the invention of the automobile, everything was lived communally. Okay. It was lived in the terms of family and it was lived in the terms of, um, you know, you know, your world was pretty small and the pressures of that world were very direct to the pressures of that community. Mm-hmm. You invent the automobile and all of a sudden you have more access you have access to more parts of the world. A hundred years ago, or you know, 150 years ago, nobody didn't go to church in their town. Like they didn't drive 45 minutes to go to church. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying it wasn't even an option. And mm-hmm. so you just lived your life with the people in your mm-hmm. village. Well, because of transportation and all the 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 pace of life has dramatically picked up from a felt experience. And the pressures to be everywhere all the time, right? What ultimately is at the foundation of this temptation to be everywhere all the time is to is to is to put yourself in this position where you f- feel this subconscious pressure to be like God. Mm. That you've got to be everywhere for everywhere all the time, and now yeah. you feel like you have the means to try to do it. Right. Add on top of that the technology of an iPhone, mm. which is actually like fundamentally scratches that temptation to be to be omnipotent for sure to be all knowing because at the touch of a screen you can know everything yeah. you can you have access to information all the time overwhelming majority of that information is completely useless to whatever you're going on in your life and to whatever you're whatever God's doing in your life but yet you still feel the need to like Consume and consume and consume and consume and consume. Mm-hmm. When community environments was was built on contributing to that community and raising your family well and finding your part in that, now we're addicted to like, we're addicted to it. I mean, yeah. the, the science is in. This is not even debatable. We're addicted to the dopamine effects of technology. And in a lot of ways, it's our Tower of Babel, man. It's just like, mm-hmm. you that's know. What, that's what smartphones should be called, Babel. Mm-hmm. Think about this. When Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm. There's about 120 people he was talking about. I mean, really, I, I, before we were doing that series this fall, I was just kind of doing a little research because that's why we called it what we called it. We, you know, it was a family series, single parenting, uh, being married. But when that, So when I think, every time I've ever seen one of those banners in somebody's house, as for me and my house, I think that's four people for us, mm-hmm. and I'm in charge of one of them. So, you know, like I... I'm just talking about three other people. He's talking about like 121 other people mm-hmm. because this is exactly what you said. That's all they ever knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like 100 and something years old when he says that. So it's like you do those generations with kids and grandkids and greats and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. It was all of that kind of mm-hmm. community. And I think a part of the reason for the the mental health crisis that we find ourselves in is because one of the greatest ways to keep people mentally healthy is community. Mm-hmm. Like when you're 11 and you start acting a fool, if you were isolated, who is in your world to smack you and be like, quit acting a fool, man? Mm -hmm. But when you are told that what you feel is, is, is the preeminent thing in your world, then no one, there's no community there to correct you to right kind of thoughts, right Mm -hmm. kind of behavior, right kind of beliefs. Mm -hmm. And with technology, you can go and get your and get all the full f- feelings and yeah. thoughts, even the unhelpful, unhelpful ones or just completely wrong ones. You can get them validated somewhere. So as the lead pastor of this church, I don't often throw that out there. I'm going to tell you something that wrecked me. On the last day of Saturated, when we did the James 5 prayer and anointing service, the overwhelming amount of, I'm guessing like 18 to 25, maybe 18 to 30-year-olds that came up to confess and be prayed for. Mm-hmm. You know what they asked for prayer for? Anxiety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it wasn't even, it used to be, it was always porn. It was always pornography. Mm-hmm. And it's still a problem. I'm not saying that's not a problem. A huge one, yeah, But sure. I'm saying the overwhelming pastor, would you mm-hmm. pray for me about, what, what, what can I pray? Anxiety. Mm-hmm. Man, th- this is all wrapped up here together. Yeah. And the, the, the thing about this series is, 
uh, when you're physiologically, emotionally, and mentally, your physiology, mm-hmm. when you're experiencing things like anxiety mm-hmm. and you're experiencing things like, well, however that would manifest, a mm-hmm. loss of appetite, a loss of sleep, over-worry, mm-hmm. um, this, is, this is general anxiety I'm talking about. There's all kinds of different anxiety and and um, but when you start to experience those things, what do you go to? What do you lean on, depend on? Because mm-hmm. you can't just tell your physiology stop, mm-hmm. right? For everything that there is, there has to be a yeah. a, 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 a truth. Uh, uh, does that? Yeah, yeah. yeah there's got to be a greater affection that takes the the throne of your heart. And if anxiety, which is really like misplaced worry, you don't know where to put it, mm-hmm. so you just put it on the throne of your heart. Yeah, there's got to be a greater affection, a, something greater, stronger, more powerful that dethrones that anxiety. Exactly. Because if you just pull anxiety away, there, there, your heart will not be a void. Mm-hmm. Something will fill that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the temptation is to hunker down on it and and to just like beach ball under the water it and try to get through it mm-hmm. versus stepping in, versus having safe places and trusted people where you talk to, where you talk and where you share things and where you invite in prayer and you put yourself in environments where you're not just lost in your own thoughts. You know, you, you have, so there's a lot of, uh, of things to step into, but also it's not just like what you do for help when you're facing those things. It's about getting healthy so that those things don't necessarily dominate your thought patterns in life mm-hmm. over long periods of time mm-hmm. and understanding your history mm-hmm. in order to understand where those things come mm-hmm. from. And that's that's a decent part of the conversation this week is just the history, my history, and to try to offer in testimony form, these are some of the things that God has taught me mm-hmm. on the journey that I've been on in regards to mental and emotional health. Because I've loved Jesus for a very, very long time. And for a significant part of that loving of Jesus, I operated in a very emotionally unhealthy way, at, at least as subjective to me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I don't know how else to bring it up. Sorry, but Sorry. in, uh, I mean, there was a time this year you even sat down with our team, the team, the like core team at our church, which is the, those of the people that like run the place. And you just threw up a flag. You were like, hey, I'm okay, but I just need you to know I'm manifesting some anxieties physiologically. And I'm going to be okay, but I, I, but, I, but I just want to say it out loud to you guys so that you'll be praying for me, so that you'll just keep an eye on it. The only reason I bring it up is I would, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow me as I follow Christ. I think you led the way for your friends, and for some of us on staff. And the, and I'm bringing it up now so that everybody listening, listen, man, everybody listens to our podcast, respects the heck out of you. They, I mean, right? They mm-hmm. respect the heck out of some Pastor Britt, man. They love you. And you seem like, from the outside, you've got everything together. And I only bring it up because if you would humble yourself to a group of coworkers and friends and say, I don't got it all together. I'm saying this out loud. I think it was real evidence of what it looks like when you bring things into the light so they don't grow mm-hmm. gross in the dark. Mm-hmm. Good on you. I yeah. hope more people will do that. Mm-hmm. Me too. Well, um, it got me thinking a little bit. Pastor Joby, you, your background in student ministry, you have two teenage kids. Before we move on from the pervasiveness of this stuff today, how, how do you see it playing out in in that generation of of teenagers, this stuff that we're talking about. I think it is primarily demonic manifesting itself in what we would call mental health. Mm. I think that my generation has done an incredible disservice to my children's generation, particularly through the pandemic and all that happened yeah, yeah. in 1920, 21, and all those years, man. It was, a com- it was a complete overreaction from the adults in charge, and even though I think... I would like to think I would have made different decisions if I was in charge. I'm saying as a generation, our our what we owe this upcoming generation is to take ownership of that. Mm. And our generation was completely ruled by fear and control. Mm. And the manifestation of that, when the kids look at the grown-ups and they seem out of control and they seem ruled by fear, it is evidence that they are not the leader for that situation. Mm. If you lead with panic, which 
That's how the country was led. Mm -hmm. And if you lead with like Armageddon, the sky is falling, mm -hmm. it is evidence you don't have what it takes to be the leader. Mm -hmm. And if the leader exhibits that kind of fear, I'm telling you, it is mm -hmm. terror mm -hmm. for the kids. Mm -hmm. That's true in your house. That's true mm -hmm. in your business. That's true in our country. Mm -hmm. It's true in this world. Mm -hmm. That's why, I mean, Jesus, one of his primary messages is, hey, man, take heart. I have overcome the world. Mm -hmm. You're going to face trouble. Yeah. yeah. But I have overcome the world. Wow. This is how you also... Deal with mental health. Yeah. Take heart because Jesus has overcome the world. We don't we don't yet know what the fruit's going to be from all that, but it makes me think. So I studied English in back in uh, in college, and in um, just after the first world war, there was this, this the lost generation, right? The writers and poets that went to Europe to live this life because uh, what they what happened was they're like. The, the institutions that I thought I could trust have all let me down, mm. you know, and it led to this huge shift in, you know, this is the 20s and 30s and before the Second World War. They go and uh, because, it, and it created this huge impact that we can still study these people's books today, you know, right? Um, but it was because of that, it made me think of what you just said, like the the significance of the letdown from the church, from the institutions, from the family that, that was felt collectively led to this huge turn turnaround. I think we're experiencing something similar. Mm. Um, all right, so one of the texts that Pastor Brett, you pull from is when Jesus talks about out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it makes me think of the way that the scripture talks about heart, soul, mind, and strength, or even just heart and soul and spirit. And, and maybe not everybody listening, but Sometimes I get a little confused, but which thing is it talking about? You know, so, and you mentioned even just a minute ago, you know, that it's all connected. So uh, help us out here, Pastor, with like, as we're reading our Bibles and we're hearing them talk about the heart, is that my mental life? Is it different? Is it just emotions? Is it, just, is it all of it? You know what I mean? Like, how do we process these inner, inner words that we hear from Jesus and others in the Scripture? Yeah, the text is uh, Matthew 15 that talks about, it actually is Jesus talking about religious leaders leading God's people astray. Mm -hmm. That said, it was a text that God has used formatively in my life on this journey of growth. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says in Matthew 15, he says, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are the blind gods. He's talking about the Pharisees mm -hmm. of which... I'm half a second from being a Pharisee at any point in time. You know what I mean? Say, but but for the grace of God, go I. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Mm. When it comes to emotional health and mental health and the integration of all of those things with my love for Jesus, my understanding of God's Word, because I can love Jesus and, and understand the God's Word and be able to explain it and be very mentally and emotionally unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I know that to be a fact. It was a fact in my life. Mm -hmm. That said, so in regards to integration, I felt very much the the spirit through that text say, you are the blind leading the blind. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to figure this out on your own. And if you could, you would have by now. Mm -hmm. So we need to get real honest here. You know, and and you need to you need to go on a journey of trust and mm -hmm. and seeking real smart people and re reading and growing. And so, and the, and also he says that every plant that my heavenly father was not planted will be rooted up. It was no, there was no question in my life that there were things growing in me that were manifesting in um, jo joylessness, uh, angst, um, emotional angst in my marriage. Mm -hmm. My wife looks at me in the kitchen one day and she says, you have no joy. And I could not even argue with her. I couldn't argue because she was absolutely right. And honestly, it was manifesting it not just in the words. It's actually more less rarely in the words, most often in the tone. Mm -hmm. I never like am attacking my wife or attacking my kids or like, you know what I'm saying? But the tone and the presence and the temperature, everything was just angsty and discontented and frustrated all the time and, and um, and you should be, even leaving out the Jesus stuff, you should be 
the happiest guy on the planet, right? You got a lovely wife that loves For you. You got sure. very healthy children. You got a, the the job you've always wanted to have, and your job is going as good as it could possibly be going. Totally. You got a puppy that's just got to be wrapped around <laughs> you her. You got a puppy. I do, man. I do. Named <laughs> <Yeah>. Piper. <laughs> Named Piper. Yeah. One of the greatest <laughs> theologians ever. Of all time. Good, good and on so you. So that yeah. is true. These are all true things. And so I just couldn't figure out. I had never taken the time to figure out why that was because it was just so normal for mm, me. Yeah. It just becomes so normal. And so when my dad died and I find myself feeling this immense amount of relief from his death. Hmm. And he'd been sick for a long time. I, I, these, these emotions, thank God I, I had enough wherewithal to like grab these things as that something's off. Like the things are just off. And, um, and I wasn't like relieved in the like, he's now in his resurrected body and present with the Lord, I was relieved in like a very selfish mm. kind of, does that make sense? Mm. And the scary part of it for me was that I had been carrying a thousand pounds of pressure mm. and angst and anxiety and just bracing for impact. I'd been carrying this thousand pounds for years and years and years and years and years, and, years, and I didn't even know it. Mm. And your dad, you loved your dad. And Wild he about love it. you and... And he, it's not like he was abusive in any way or all the things. Like, totally. And I just say that to say mm. the, the re, part of the reason you didn't even know it is because how would you know it? Like it's not, it's not like you came from an abusive home or, a, or something like that. Like a good godly dad who was your pastor who loved you and you right. loved him. And mm. I, I'd say because for all the years I've known you, you only said wonderful things about your dad. It's not like he was had all this pressure to put on you that if you didn't live up to it, then he was going to be disappointed. 100%. And yet, somehow you felt like there was this pressure on you that wasn't released until he passed away. Yeah, it was a pressure within me. Right. And for my and everybody has different versions of of trauma, and I hate to say that word, but it is a thing. Mm-hmm. The the manifest what was growing in me was the result of a lack of dealing with grief. It didn't have anything to do with my relationship with my father. It had everything to do with the trauma of losing my mother and the way that we lost my mother when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. the residual of not dealing with that, not grieving it well, not processing that in a in a healthier, helpful way, just hunkering down on it, mm-hmm. and then going through something, a different illness, but this illness unto death with my dad and not having the tools to, to mm-hmm. deal with it, not having the like... And what's crazy is I thought I did have the tools, but I actually didn't. I, mean, I was kinda, doing my best, but inside it was a mess. And you kind of lost your dad a long time before your dad actually totally. passed away, right? Because mm-hmm. totally. that's a thing. Yeah, I was grieving his death. It was grief. Right. So it didn't have anything to do with the specific relation to a person. Nobody ever hurt me, yet I had a lot of hurt just from living in a fallen world. And when we talk about the flesh, the 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 lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, yeah. we talk about the enemy— um, the world and the flesh. our flesh. Part of that world one and that flesh one, they work together, man. You live in a fallen world and you have a flesh bent toward the fallenness of this world. Mm-hmm. It's limited. It, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's And so living in a fallen world, my experience of that produced a lot of grief and that grief had grabbed hold deep in the soil mm-hmm. of my mind and in my soul and in my heart. And I wasn't working through it I wasn't really even aware of it all the way. Um, I wasn't, honestly, guys, the first time, the second time I ever cried about my mom dying, she died when I was 14 years old. The second time I ever cried about it was the night before I stood up on stage here and preached about it, Mm. 20 years later. Mm. To this day, my oldest daughter will look at me and she will say, Daddy, I've never seen you cry. And it's because I'm like, I'm, I'm still in the process of growing. I'm not saying crying equals emotional health, but there's something to that. But you could almost say not crying ever is evident that there's a lack of emotional health. 100%. I mean, if, Jesus, if we were to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we just took this to a whole nother level in here, and I'm sorry for the, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying sorry. to be authentic about it, you know, but. Right, but I mean, and, and you know, he loses his friend, and he's. 
theologically perfect. He knows Lazarus is coming out of the grave today, mm-hmm. and he's crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then there's something wrong with us if there are not losses that bring tears. So my my point in saying that that my daughter will say that to me is, and I'm not even saying it's a good thing. And every time I'm just like, I don't want to fake cry. But at the same time, I'm like asking, I'm like, Lord, I need you to continue to do this work in my life. Like I, I want to continue to get healthier and healthier and healthier. Mm-hmm. Because that's a, that's a, that is a blatant example of how things from parents get on their kids. Mm-hmm. And there were mm-hmm. things in the world that I grew up in from trauma, from grief, from family history mm. that just got on me. Mm-hmm. And when when God says that these things have been, there are things that have been planted in you that are not from the Father, well, then who else did they come from? Mm-hmm. Right? They come from the lies of the enemy, whispers, mm-hmm. cultural narrative, and my family history has got a, mm-hmm. a positive, overwhelmingly mm-hmm. positive impact on my life, but also negative, like mm-hmm tendencies and insecurities and does that make sense Mm -hmm. my father struggled with an addiction to the approval of people it got on me and my brother Mm -hmm. we know it it has a name i know the tendencies i know the i know more about it than he ever did right i know how to take it captive i know how to the the affections that replace that idol better than he ever did but it's still a thing does that make sense like i don't want my daughter to go through something really hard in life one day, which mm-hmm. she will inevitably do. Correct. Because she lives in a fallen world and think that crying over that thing and mourning that thing and being deeply sad is wrong. Or that, that you just got to... Does that make sense? Because she didn't see her daddy do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You tracking? Yeah, yeah. So it's all... When you say, is it all connected? Bro, it's connected to my heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's right. generationally mm-hmm. connected. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. Yeah. What's crazy is what Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. Like the context is, hey, did you know the Pharisees were offended by what you said? And so he starts talking about this thing. And as we're talking about mental health, it it strikes me that this this um, I don't know this this mask. You know, you know how you say, Pastor Joe, be like, fine, you know, blessed and highly favored. You know, the, the real you come to church kind of thing. Um, it it's not an explicitly like keeping the religious laws and like tithing your herbs and spices and the kind of thing that the Pharisees was, but it's almost like the modern day equivalent to Phariseeism because it's this it's this complete breakdown between what's happening outside and inside. Yeah. Right? Jesus says you you do all these things on the outside, but you're like a like a whitewashed tomb on the inside. Like you're full of bones and like rottenness, you know? And so it's this it's this this fracturing. And so this whole series, man, what a step that would be for everybody, for all of us to say, okay, how can I bring that together? Like what's really going on internally to what's outside of me, be, yeah. become closer. Uh, you talked a little bit about family of origin. Um, why is it so critical? Pastor Joby, how have you seen, and you talk a lot about your dad, you know, praise God, he came to know the Lord. Um, yeah. he, he, I, I keep telling you, you should write a, a coffee table book of his quotes because they're always the best. <laughs> He's been um, here. <laughs> Let's go. But uh, how have you seen things from your family history, just like he just said, you know, knowing it is, is half the battle, but how have you seen it affect you? You know, you, <clears throat> you look back to the Shema, which we spent two years on around mm-hmm. here, right? And so there, there's only one God. The Lord our God is Echad, which mm-hmm. doesn't just mean like, an individual. It, right. It's like one in sequence, one in essence, one in priority. And yeah. you've heard me say a million times before, God's like not, he's not one number one on your list. He's like the paper on which you write your list. Mm-hmm. The same is true with you because you're an image bearer of him. So you've got one and only life. Mm-hmm. And then the list that you write are mentally, here's what I think about physically, here's how I'm doing, family. So it's all, it's mm-hmm. all integrated into mm-hmm. just you. And man, God, the crazy thing is, is that by and large, our parents, most of them, unless you grew up in some kind of crazy abusive house, I, most of our parents, man, they're just trying to do their absolute best. I mean, I get it. I got two teenagers at the house, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just, we, G and I are trying to do our absolute best mm-hmm. to just love them and prepare them and push them where we need to push them. Yeah. Okay. And we are screwing those kids up so bad. Uh-huh. If God, who is the perfect Heavenly Father, and at one point, man, he was just, he only had two kids in the whole kingdom to worry about, and they jacked up the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then those two parents, so his grandkids, one of them kills the other one. Mm-hmm. 
then how in the heck, how, how do you, how do we think our kids right. going to turn out okay whatsoever? Right. Okay. And then what's really crazy, so when my parents were, I, I try not to put their lives on blast, man. They're, my mom's awesome. I love her so much. My dad's awesome. Love him to death. They were doing the best they knew how to do at the time. But when I was in high school, they split up, divorced. Through a series of events, my dad was living up in like North Carolina. My mom was living in a different town. I was 14 years old. My brother's 11. Mm. We live by ourselves, Monday to Friday. Daddy would come home on the weekends. Okay. Wow. That would get you locked up these days. Yeah. So we had to hide it from everybody. So what I learned how to do in that moment is take control, and I did. Mm. And I took control and helped raise Russ. Turned out pretty good, you know? Well, here we are. Russ is doing great, and mm-hmm. he's a deacon at our church. And Okay. Mm. And then what I tell you what the world will reward you for. Take control. Mm-hmm. So anytime there is a vacuum, there's mm. any uncertainty, you guys know this from working with me, yeah. I take control. And this church has rewarded me greatly for it. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and if you and I, I have this tendency, I have this feeling. Like if you disagree with me, if you would just shut up and do what I say, trust me, I got this, and it's for your own good. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then, man, you take that home, mm-hmm. and I, I still have this thing. Like mm-hmm. if I don't take control of this, the wheels are going to fall off, and if mm-hmm. anybody disagrees with that. It's hard for me to peel it back to you're just manifesting what you felt like you had to step into at 14, Mm. but you don't have to step into this. Mm -hmm. It's not the same situation. You have a loving wife and Mm -hmm. kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the kind of thing that if you don't start noodling around in that, Mm -hmm. it'll just perpetuate itself. And then my children will one day say, what you do is you take control. Mm -hmm. Mm. And again, again, it gets rewarded in some areas. Yeah. Like on the football field, it's mm-hmm. that that may be a place to exert control as a coach. Mm-hmm. You know, in my 14-year-old's mm. daughter's bedroom, that might not be the best place to just lead with that kind of foot. That's the kind of thing right, Pastor right, right. Britt is talking about. I think the Bible would call those those are the kind of generational sins yes. that the Bible is talking about. Yes. That if they're not uprooted, they drop seeds into new little soils, which are mm-hmm. our kids, mm-hmm. and then they just produce more fruit, mm-hmm. which is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of it's shining light. You know, it's like it, it, those tendencies f- for good and for bad. There's a big light. There's a there's a lot of light yeah. that comes from the way that God wired you and the experiences you've been through and the things you've learned to yeah. navigate. Right, and. Um, independence and and self-motivation and there's a ton of light that's why it's right and wrong when you're talking about the inner self is really really dangerous because it can manifest itself in what is blatantly and mortally sin correct yeah like it can manifest itself in mortal sins that kill relationships and well it could even kill you correct Mm. yes but it, it may just manifest itself in like weaknesses and unhealthy and unhelpful tendencies if not if you don't shine a light on it, if you don't keep that thing in check, right. it can debilitate you from the full abundant life that, mm-hmm. that God has called you for and wired you for. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so there's like sins and then there's like shadow. The, mm-hmm. the, the way the shadow, the shadow self or the inner self can work is in sins, but also just in like struggles you're prone toward. Mm-hmm. That Correct. you have to be aware of mm-hmm. that are, are not necessarily going anywhere. So when we say like one of the texts we talked about John fifteen about pruning, yeah. well the thing about pruning is you're cutting back unhealthy things so that healthy things can grow, mm-hmm. but it's not the same thing as cutting off, like just removing totally. Does that does that make sense? It's like it does you're, you're, you're just, trimming and realigning and you're cutting off parts of all of the same thing right. for the good of the main thing. Mm-hmm. Right. You, does that make sense? Yeah, because we just pruned these bushes in my backyard. We've got those like privacy bushes that we planted because we're those neighbors that want to sit in the backyard and not see people. And so, <laughs> but so what started out as a good thing got too much and it was like overgrowing and overtaking our patio. So they had to come in and prune it and it looks awful right now. They just, man, hacksawed one side of it. It looks terrible. Mm-hmm. But, but if you do do that, if you don't do it, if you don't cut back 
It's not just, you don't just cut off the bad branches. That's not what it is. When you prune, horticulturalists will call them sucker branches. You got to pull away a bunch of the sucker branches so all of the energy goes to the fruit and not to these fruitless branches. But those branches are not evil necessarily. Now, for sure, you better pluck out the evil things in your life. I mean, the book of Hebrews says that not only did we cut out the sin, but also just the stuff that so easily entangles. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of those things need to be cut out of your life. Mm-hmm. And I think fruit's a great way to think about it because both, it, depending on what you let grow, it will produce fruit. The question is, is it the fruit of the Spirit yeah. or is it the fruit of the flesh? Yeah. And these untamed emotions, these unchecked, tendencies, these it's kind of this accumulation of less than pure motives, impure thoughts, unaligned thoughts with the kingdom of God, selfishness, history. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Okay, if, if you let these things grow unaware of them, unchecked, unpruned by the Spirit of God, they will produce fruit. Mm-hmm. And that fruit is a joy that fruit is joylessness. That's where it is joylessness. That is where legalism will kill you. I mean, that, that's what the Pharisees were. They were like professional legalists. And I mean, listen, I think we the three of us kind of grew up in some serious legalistic leaning sort of environments. Because if all you do is focus on the external and you go, Well, hey, I'm not drinking, I'm not cussing, I'm not smoking, I'm not looking at pornography, therefore I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Then you don't ever deal with all the now I'm not saying you should just do like allow sinfulness in your life, but mm-hmm. when you when you come up with this external standard of what mm-hmm. health with Jesus looks like and you don't address the internal heart matters, right. then you're the blind leading the blind. Mm-hmm. Well, John 15 is all about intimacy. Correct. Abide means stay close. Get really, really close. You know, mm-hmm. and, and intimacy with Jesus is foundational mm-hmm. to intimacy with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you have to deny yourself. And denying, really, this is about growing in the, the process of self-denial. And mm-hmm. we hear that oftentimes in our world and think of it as a negative thing. Or I overinterpreted it or wrongly interpreted it as not deny myself, it was ignore myself. Mm. And that's what I thought self-denial was, was self, it, it was ignorant. But it's not that. It's not. It is I need to be totally and wholly aware of all parts of me, mm-hmm. even the ungodly ones, so that I can grow and move through them. And then... Mm-hmm. At some point, and there are moments of this where it's just beautiful and it's real intimacy with Christ where you can truly be self-forgetful. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And you can solely and wholly attend to God and to his kingdom mm-hmm. and to the things that he wants, which is where joy is. You know what I'm saying? And I can be satisfied in him, but ignoring myself is not the path to get there. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, over-focusing on myself is not mm-hmm. the way to get there. Mm-hmm. And there are some people that get to the point where they – they can identify hurts, they can identify traumas, they can identify triggers, tendencies, all these things, They can't, but they don't grow past it. Mm. It's because they identify themselves by those. That's things. exactly right. Mm. Mm. That's exi- that's, that, they have formed an identity for themselves through their hurt and through their pain, and it is in what their mind makes them matter. Mm. And, 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 it's, and it's a gospelless identity. Right. Because that is not what Jesus says makes you matter. He doesn't say that it didn't happen. He doesn't say that it isn't formative. He just says it's not ultimate. Right. Mm. Yeah. You tracking? Oh, yeah. There's a lot of reasons why we might not be aware of the things that are going on. One, our subconscious might not, like we just might just be ignorant, like you said. We also live in a pretty I-make-my-own-way society, right, self-made Right, so we might we might look back at our history and think, well, that's not going to be me, even though we're, we're like live like walking right into it. Kind of what I mean. So, you mentioned the discovery process you've been on, Pastor Britt. What kind of tools? Like this, this might sound really daunting to somebody, and I'm, I'm for sure there's professionals that can help with some of this discovery about your past and how it affects you. But what kind of tools are out there to to walk through this very daunting process? Well, some of these processes thought are are things that we'll have talked about this weekend. And I would say, make sure that you, with Thanksgiving week 
coming up, make sure that if you're not able to attend because of family travel, that you listen to week three, right? And I'm going to interview mental health professionals, a psychiatrist, licensed therapist, and a pastoral counselor. They're going to be on the on the stage with me the majority of the time, and I'm going to interview them. Mm. And a part of what we're going to talk about is tools, mm. you know? Yeah. And and so make sure you tune into week three for sure, whatever that looks like for you in your mm-hmm. context. But a couple of things that I uh, would reiterate and or offer new, one is um, t- taming your feelings by naming them. If you don't name stuff, it's really hard to get it healthy and under control. Mm-hmm. You got to give it a name. And so good questions to ask regularly is, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling that way? And what do I feel about having feel that way, right? You ever been angry and then you get sad about being angry? <laughs> well, you're talking earlier, I was just like, you get anxious about your anxiety. Like, I just, I'm worried that I'll be so anxious, you know? Yeah, you, <laughs> layers you, and if layers. you have, if, honestly, if you've ever experienced any version of panic attacks, it's so debilitating mm-hmm. that the yeah. idea of them... Because you're anticipating another one? It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, you know. I don't, I don't say that word lightly, but it's it's hard to to, to get all that reconciled. And I'm for nothing sure. but empathetic for anybody that's had to had to do that, you know, and walk through that or does walk through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but naming your feelings. Uh, what am I sad about? What am I glad about? What am I angry about? Mm-hmm. What am I anxious about? Mm-hmm. So so much of the of general anxiety for me is actually saying out loud the thing that's causing me anxiety. Mm. If I just say, not just saying, there's one thing to say, I have anxiety or I'm feeling this. It's another thing to say, I have anxiety because I know I have a really hard conversation coming up with so-and-so mm-hmm. and I know that they are, I'm going to experience feelings of rejection in that conversation and I, and I hate that mm-hmm. and it's hard. Yeah. And, um, but I want, you know what I'm saying? Like, like the example getting, he gave a minute ago about you, what you demonstrated, like, hey, I'm saying this out loud and like mm-hmm. it really does, it does something. Yeah. This what? is why you go all the way back to um, anything is possible, and you better have four friends that can pick up at the corner of your mat and tote you to Jesus. One of the responsibilities of those four friends is you got to tell them there are going to be times where I'm just laying out some truth about me to you because I got to have some safe place to say these things. Mm-hmm. And I know you're going to respond with wisdom and prayer, mm-hmm. not worry, mm-hmm. and just some goofy advice. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it matters. It matters. Yeah, so, so that, you know, where, where my body? Am I feeling tension or stress? Yeah, For yeah. me, I know when I start to lose my appetite and I start to struggle with sleep. Those are two things that I've identified over decades, mm, mm-hmm. uh, over more than a decade of walking through some of this. Like when I start to experience those things, I know that these are like lights on the dashboard of my car. That when the check engine light comes on, this is like a light in my life where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, hold on. Before we get... Before the engine explodes, mm-hmm. the light has now gone off. Mm-hmm. And I should pay attention. I should invite friends in. I should go see my counselor. I should, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. I need to bring my wife in. So those kind of things, that's one. Uh, two, explore your past. Mm-hmm. Um, family of origin, we'll have talked about that. We'll talk more about it next week uh, with Rebecca Maxwell. We'll talk, de- uh, you know, family of origin and, and further impacts of that. There's a, there's a tool called a genogram. My personal yeah. recommendation would be go to Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. There's a great book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that that is about this integration in a lot of ways. And right. he's got a tool there called a genogram um, that you can download and use, but you can find many versions of it. Mm-hmm. The thing about this one is you actually have to do the work. Mm. If you're not willing to do the work, don't start because only doing it halfway is dangerous and unhelpful. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do the work, and you have to be willing to be honest. You ever create a narrative? You you redact. It's one of those things that I think it's okay sometimes to redact history for redemptive purposes. Yeah, especially the part that you publicly share. Right, but not you don't need to. But when you're doing inner self work, own self. Yeah, inner self work. You need to be honest. Correct. Um, uh, the other one would be, would be what negative scripts, identify the negative scripts that have been handed down to you. So what is this thing that I believe inside of me that my body remembers that my, that is, that manifests itself in unhealthy ways? Mm. Because the body takes count, bro, and mm-hmm. it remembers. Yeah. What are these negative scripts that I, that I believe? I, I, some negative scripts in my life that I've been able to identify over the years is, um, I have a I have an underlying fear that the people closest to me will die. 
I, I fear that. If my wife, if there are times where I call my wife, if she doesn't answer the phone, I immediately go to the worst place possible. Mm. Yeah. And it's all rooted in yeah. the people yeah. I love the most. Mm-hmm. That. Mm-hmm. It's just like your example. You know, um, I'm, I, you know, I'm, uh, so that's an, a negative script. Another one is, for me, a negative script is your pain is what makes you matter. Then you jumble that up in a leadership world where you hear these things like the amount of pain you can tolerate is one to one with your how how you're able to lead, which I agree with that. But it gets all jumbled up in your mind, and my pain is the pain that I've lived through in my life pales in comparison to some significant to me Mm. is not what makes me matter, Mm -hmm. right? The, the fact that I am loved by God is what makes me matter. And the fact that God loves me enough to put people around me that love me, that's what makes me matter. Mm-hmm. But that's a negative script. Mm. But you got to do the work to, to identify those negative scripts. Feedback from trustworthy sor- sources, the four corners, the, the relationships yeah. that you have. Um, and then another one I, I just think is, is finding some prayers mm. that you can rely on and go back to regularly. Um, there, there's a thing to reciting the same prayers over and over again. Jesus said, when you pray, do it like this, and mm-hmm. he gave us a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, um, you know, writing down specific prayers that ha- have been have been freeing f- uh, for me and in me and through me. Like, for example, um, uh, one prayer is, uh, is, Jesus, I am struggling with the fear of rejection and the fear of loss. And I know that nobody's life is in my hands, that they're in your hands. And I also know that you are the Prince of Peace and that your kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And so would you fill my heart, soul, mind, and strength with the peace of the kingdom of God? I've said that prayer 10,000 times. And it never loses its potency. Mm-hmm. Does that you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm really specific about the fear. I'm really specific about the source. Mm-hmm. And I like. Does that mean so? Th- those things are just some tools along the way. Yeah. Anyway, that's, so you ask like how to know some of these things. Um, it takes quiet and alone, mm-hmm. and most of us are too busy and consistently entertained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're not making, I'm not even talking about an old school quiet time where you sit down for 15 minutes and read the Devo and then move on with your day. But if you don't have some relatively significant moments of silence and solitude as normal rhythms of your life, mm-hmm. you will probably never be aware of mm-hmm. how healthy, how unhealthy your mental and yeah. inner life probably is. Mm-hmm. And the reason to be healthy is not for you to be healthy. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. It goes back to the Shema again. Mm-hmm. That that the reason, like if God wants to be loved mm-hmm. by all, then you're not giving him all that he requires of you if a part of you is not complete. Mm-hmm. Which which actually, this is how you get out of the like navel gazing and oh, mm-hmm. it's all about me. And I'm identified by all my processes I'm going through in order for me to be the best, mm. best version of me. Mm. That's not the point. Mm. The point is I'm trying to love the one true God Amen. with the one and only life I have. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I can bring to him is the the holist version of me, yeah. heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. So like the reason that you steward your body is not so that you can live to your 90. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. It's so that you can serve God with all 90 years. Mm-hmm. Same thing mentally. Yes. Same thing emotionally. Yes. Same thing spiritually. The Psalms is such a school for that because there's I, there's more than I can, more examples than I could count of save me, Lord, that the nations may know right. that you're God. Or like deliver me from the situation and this enemy because... Can the dead praise you in the grave? No, 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 no. Like it's, and so it's zeroed in on the 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 end is not just that I'd be okay and be comfortable, but right. that that it proves who he is and it gives him more glory. Um, maybe one of the last things here, like you mentioned this, and we've talked a little bit about plastic Christianity, you know. But I grew up in a time when if you went to a counselor, it meant like. You got a problem. You have problems. You know what I mean? So maybe for 
I don't know if that's that's true for th- this day and age or whatever, but um, Pastor Joby, how can us, how can our church and those listening think about mental health professionals? And we're we're going to talk more about them next week. But um, how do we engage with these people who are just a little bit better equipped than your average person, you know, yeah. to help us deal with this? Um, this is in in conversation with Rebecca Maxwell. Rebecca was our original kids minister here. She mm-hmm. built our kids ministry. Our sons grew up playing uh, baseball together, and they still play football mm-hmm. against one another. They're our neighbors. They're the four houses down. We spend as much time with the Maxwell family as anybody. And what I've learned from her is this is why community is so important. Mm-hmm. We There are some segments of our community that that feel like having a therapist is like a badge of honor. Like if you don't have one, something's wrong. Right. And so the reason that you need pastors and disciple group leaders and therapists all in your life is some everybody doesn't need a therapist. Rebecca will tell me sometimes, this person just needs a friend and they don't have any friends, so they pay me to sit in a room with them to be their friend. friend. And I kind of have to look at it and be like, you just need friends, you right. know? So it's just, I think that is solved in community. Mm. We know as pastors here, a huge part of our role is the ministry of referral. Mm. For sure. Like somebody talks to me and I'm like, all right, this is kind of just standard discipleship, what's your next step of obedience kind of thing. I got it. Take a step in this direction, whatever it is. There's a bunch of times where I'm like, this is above my pay grade. This mm-hmm. is just different. This is more than pastoral counseling. Just like I wouldn't try to fix your broken arm. There's something more broken than I have the ability right. to. But if you are not in loving relationships where people mm-hmm. can shoot you straight, how would you ever get diagnosed rightly? Mm-hmm. So not every single person needs to run to like full-time mm-hmm. therapeutic counseling mm-hmm. and sign up for a year's worth. But you need somebody helping triage that. Yeah. And you can't, at one time, Lars Peterson, he was doing an annual evaluation of me, and he said something to the effect of, we typically typically are not very good evaluators of ourselves," mm. which is really true. Mm. Yeah. So hopefully you're in the kind of relationships where you can mm-hmm. say, hey, I got this going on. Mm-hmm. And there's people, really smart people around you that can either, that can at least help aim you in the right direction, whether mm-hmm. that's you just need to be in a disciple group, man, you don't have accountability in your life, mm-hmm. or... You should really see a therapist about this. Mm-hmm. There's something deep there. Yeah, yeah. There's all different kinds of counseling. Everybody needs godly counsel. Correct. To Pastor Joby's point. Right. Some people need the kind of invasive emotional and mental surgery that professional counselors with doctorates in neurotheology and which is a thing. Right. And, you know, licensed mm. practices in regards mm. to mental health services provide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a, a lot of people, there should be no stigma around mm-hmm. counseling, psychi- Christian psychiatry, Christian counseling, um, Christian therapy in that way, whether it's marriage retreats. You know, um, I think retreats are a huge, huge step in that direction. Yep. Yep. You know, going like... Um, personal retreats and spiritual retreats and forcing yourself to to find that solitude and mm-hmm. find that fuel, whether it's through Windshape, who we love, uh, like Windshape marriage retreats or whatever. Um, Christian is a key part of that. Uh, not all, even all Christian things are equal. That said, well, gospel-centered. Everybody with a little ichthus fish on their business card ain't a Christian. That's exactly it's, right. It's like <laughs> a biblical worldview. I mean, right. one of the things, I know we talk about Rebecca a lot because she's, I mean, she's awesome, man. She's sitting... In our services every weekend, on the front row, taking more notes. And sometimes I'll say something, she's just writing right. And I was like, I didn't even say that much. What are you writing right now? And she's telling me so many of the people that come to see her also attend here. She wants, she just wants to use some of the same language mm-hmm. and those kind of things. Right. And even when I preach, man, if I've, especially like this series, I will lean on her really heavily. Like when, when I'm just in the... Th- hermeneutic lane of what does this verse mean? What does it mean to you? Mm-hmm. You know, no problem. But when we start getting into to these kind of emotional, spiritual, mental health sort of things, I lean on folks to make sure I'm informed right, I'm using the right words, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very mm-hmm. important. But make sure you get a, a counselor or a therapist that has a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we started the 1010 Life and we knew that a part of that would be a focus on m- mental and emotional health, we didn't know all the way what that meant. We knew a, a couple of things. One, 
is that we wanted to raise awareness mm-hmm. and just talk, this when you talk about things out loud in regards to certain struggles it destigmatizes them and so mm-hmm. there's no shame in that game man it's, you know what i mean mm-hmm. and if you got these kind of struggles um, on wherever you are on the gamut it's not a shame it shouldn't be a shameful thing to say out loud in in our church it's not and mm-hmm. so we wanted to raise awareness and let people know that we were willing to walk with them through whatever but also we wanted to raise the call to folks in our church that are less you know whether it's people who are senior adults that are thinking through the next 10 years of their ministry whether it's folks that have been in one career path but maybe God might be calling them into a different career path we wanted to call people into Christian, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing people to consider being counselors, mm-hmm. going and getting education. And even if it's a disciple group leader, it's like, hey, look, go to Liberty Online, go yeah. to Southeastern, go to some of these places and take audit courses around biblical counseling just to get better and better and better at disciple-making. And we want to call people to those kind of steps. And dozen, a dozen, dozens of people have already tar- started taking those s- steps. People who used to be on staff with us, people who are still on staff with us are going to school mm-hmm. for biblical counseling degrees to get better and better and better at this. Because the truth is, most of our counselors that we partner with in referral land, a lot of them, I wouldn't call them overwhelmed, they're, but their schedules are full. And it is hard. Sometimes you have to wait six weeks, eight weeks, mm, 10 weeks, 12 weeks to get a um, to get a, an appointment. Mm-hmm. And um, for some people, you can wait six weeks, and it's not that big a deal. Yeah. You know, for other people, you Seriously. need to see somebody. And mm-hmm. so, the more Holy Spirit filled, Bible armed men and women we have in our community serving in this space, mm-hmm. the healthier and better the future generations of our community will be. And so, we, I challenge you, encourage you to at least start praying in that direction. Can I tell you a story that might be like a parable in regards to those called to fight the good fight in the world of? mental health. <clears throat> I met this lady just co- this last weekend that goes to our church and got to meet her family and all this stuff. And she's, she's a mental health counselor. She's like right at the end of her, you got to get a certain amount of hours, whatever. Brilliant lady. She had, um, scrub around here. She moves to LA and gets a job, I think in fashion and is, and, and breaks all the molds. Like she's crushing it. She's at the top of her game She's making bank. She's young, young, young at that point. Call it mid-20s. Very, very attractive girl. Everything you could dream of when you moved to L.A. to make it in, in like, fashion world. She is Mm. doing it. Mm -hmm. She's walking home to her apartment one day. Somebody commits suicide, jumps out of a building, and lands next to her on the street, like, within, like, thump. And she looks at him, and she has this revelation. She's a believer. She has this revelation. I'm living in the fakest place in the whole world, chasing after fake. Mm. I'm going to spend my life helping people. Like, what if I could have met this person? Maybe God could have used me. She come home, goes to Georgia, gets her counseling degree, whatever you go through, and now she's back in Jacksonville giving her whole life because of that moment. Mm. For anybody that that kind of, that's an act, that's not a parable because it actually happened. Mm-hmm. But it is parabolic in that we live in a world of people mm. that are looking to all the wrong places, mm. all the wrong places. Mm. And I don't know that me praying for that person would have been exactly what that person would have needed. That person that got to the point where they felt like that was the best option for them to mm-hmm. jump out the window, they need professionals mm-hmm. to, to be a part of the Great Commission because mm-hmm. the end of the earth also means like to the ends of the recesses of the mind mm-hmm. that that the enemy is trying to win in right now. And so we need an army of men and women to hear God's call. Mm-hmm. I, I hope this series will do that. And and she left her, she cashed it all in, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody's like, what are you doing? And she just thought, if you knew what I knew, then you would say you have no choice. You have to do what God calls mm-hmm. you to do. And so I hope there'll be, I hope there'll be a lot of people. I hope a lot of people will see next week and see the, mm-hmm. you know, these men and women on stage with you and say, I can, I think God might be calling me to do that so that in five, six, seven, eight years from now that the landscape around Jacksonville would be one of the healthiest places you could live. Or if you needed help in regards to mental and emotional health, then we would have an army of people that we could send you mm. to yeah. quickly. Yeah. 
I was reading this morning in uh, Acts chapter 1, and just before Jesus ascends, they ask him a question to say, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? And here's something that struck me. He said, it's not for you to know something that was set by the Father, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And the thing that struck me was, he said, what you don't, knowledge is not what you need. You need the Holy Spirit and the power that he's Mm going to bring. And so why don't you close us, Pastor Joby, with that in mind, just that we would, with all this, it's not enough to know it. We need the power of the Spirit to bring it to life. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you, and um, we are yours. You created us, heart, soul, mind, and strength for your glory, to be loved by you and to be able to love you back with all, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we pray for all the men and women where the enemy is taking ground in regards to mental and emotional health. And Lord, I pray that because of the blood of Jesus, they would be made right, but it would be through brothers and sisters in Christ that that we would be given the tools to be healthy for your glory. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit during this series so that people could love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> the end. <You> know. <laughs>